Hello, it's Natalia Lloyd and welcome to my podcast, Beehive Household. As part of my interior design business, my first chat with my clients is a deep dive into their lifestyle and daily routines to be able to understand how they use their homes. And this is where the idea for this podcast came from. So subscribe and listen to find out about the daily routines of my extraordinary guests, their mindset, their choice of interiors, but most importantly, how their life at home sustains their success and much, much more. On this episode, I had the great pleasure of speaking to Tanya Liveris Candy. Tanya is an entrepreneur. She's a property investor, mentor, speaker, philanthropist, and she is also a mother and a wife. Being born into a very wealthy family, she carries her grandfather Andreas Liveris's business ethos and is successfully building on the platform that she inherited. Andreas Liveris was one of the richest men in the UK who built his wealth from nothing. And we talk about how Tanya and her family carry on his legacy and principles that her grandfather was guided by. Tanya started with working for her grandfather's yacht charter business, but then moved on to the leading brand building global agency, Carla Orte, where she became director of VIP services. Alongside this, she hosted and interviewed celebrities and entrepreneurs in London and Monaco, including at the World Music Awards. Today, Tanya owns a property portfolio and sits on the board of directors for a property company in Knightsbridge. She co-founded Mothersphere, the global platform for moms, to find the support and expertise that they need to thrive in all areas of their lives. One of the most recent ventures that Tanya founded is the Legacy Globe, the platform to empower men and women to maximize their potential and amplify their legacies. And in our conversation, Tanya opens up about the grief she's experienced in her life and how she found the strength to carry on on her path to success. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for taking time in your day, in your busy schedule to come on Behind Household podcast. And it's been, I've been longing to speak to you properly and we are still to meet in person, but I am super excited and I'm going to just dive right into it because I've got questions for you, of course. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me today. Honestly, it's been so wonderful getting to know you and I've been excited to speak to you. Absolutely. Likewise. So... I guess where I wanted to start is actually to take a little bit back. And I feel like nowadays, you know, the meaning of legacy has been slightly redefined. And a lot of people um, strive not just to do good for themselves, but also to do good for future generations. And your grandfather, Andreas Liveris, was one of those people. He was... um, shall I say, a legend in his own right, wasn't he, who rose from having very little to being one of the richest people in the UK. And I know he was and still is a huge inspiration for you. So tell us more about your grandfather and what your relationship was like with him. Well, he was everything you said and more. You know, he's such an incredible person um, and inspiration to me and so many. And he changed so many people's lives. He had such humble beginnings, as you mentioned. Um, He moved over to London to make his fortune after um, he lost his money with an accident with his um, combine harvester. um, And he invested all his 
Ian. <laughs> um, it sounds like it's something out of a movie. Um, but yes, he came over to London to make his fortune. He had a young family that he left in Cyprus, became a delivery driver over here for a cake shop um, in London. And he sort of worked every moment of every hour he put the effort in to make a living for himself. And um, after some time, um, he proved his hard work and um, he managed to make enough money to bring over his young family. Um, and they all lived in a tiny little flat together in Camden. And um, I remember my mother always said that they had like a basin, like a bowl, like a tin bowl in the middle of their living room. So to go from that to sort of where he ended up as a pioneer in the super yacht world is extremely incredible. But um, to fine. sort of put it in a nutshell, he grew this business. He um, was working in a cake shop. He ended up buying the cake shop. Um, and then he grew the business into a massive cake company, sold that in Nottingham um, for a, a huge amount and decided to retire at the age of 50. Um, he was 50 and he thought, let me go and buy a boat. It's my dream in Greece and relax and sell. But knowing him and his um, ambitious mind and his creativity, he just couldn't sit still for a moment. <laughs> he thought I could turn this into a business. So he literally went to Monaco. He got sort of like a yellow pages there, went through all the yacht brokers, rang them all up. Um, and he saw a gap in the market a few years later for huge, massive yachts. Um, and he went off and created that and he ended up for the last 15 years of his life becoming a pioneer in the world of super yachts so um he made a legacy for us not just of this obviously this financial wealth and the safety net that he has created for us but also yeah. values he was so humble so kind he handpicked every single person that worked with him every person on his crew he had 90 meter yachts which was mass they're massive yachts and um now they may be more of the, the norm 13 years later, but back then they there was only his, <laughs> ours. Um, Absolutely so, amazing. Yeah, it, it was, it's been incredible. His values were treat everybody with kindness. You don't have to lead and not be kind. And I think that's something that he's passed on to my parents, to myself, to my to my sister and um, something that I'm also passing on to my son, that you should lead with kindness and you should be making a social impact constantly throughout your lives because that's what we're here for to help each other and elevate each other that's right and it's such a important and powerful message because I think some way along the way it's been slightly redefined in the wrong way that when you are in power that comes with a lot of toughness and potentially yeah not the nice side of you or not treating people the right way and looking down on, on people. And this is the beauty uh, of, of that legacy that you're carrying forward. And um, to, with, with that busy schedule and obviously being this amazing entrepreneur, did, did your um, grandfather have time to have relationship with you and your sister? Um, how was it like for you to be next to someone who's achieving such great things and making such a huge difference? Oh, Amazing. I think looking back now, obviously, as you grow up, and um, we were fortunate to have him in our 20s and things too. So he's been a huge influence in our lives. And we spent, my sister and I spent every summer with him, as long as I can remember. And um, whether we went to Greece, Cyprus, or Monaco, we'd spend the full summer from school with him. Um, and I guess we didn't realize at the time, like anyone growing up, how privileged our life was. 
and things that we took for granted, such as being on all these yachts and having this Monaco lifestyle and all these incredible gifts that we were given, we never thought of them as something different, which now, which is, I guess, amazing, really, because we were taught the values, but at the same time, we had this lavish lifestyle and we weren't told that we were any different. So than anybody else so we treated everybody the same and I think that that's really important to have um but he was so loving you know every birthday my birthday's in June he would wipe out his diary for 10 days doesn't matter what deal was coming anything that was happening I remember he he um kicked off two incredibly big stars who are massive right now um off the boat (laughs) it was like my granddaughter's birthday everyone off you know this is for for her so he who are those stars (laughs) I'm sure I'll mention through the through the um course of the interview (laughs) they're huge um singers right now but um he they're and a a power couple themselves but you know he, he he made it known that he's his family came first and that's incredibly important and his work was his joy as well so in some ways by putting us first in that way it was putting his love for us first over his own joy you know um it wasn't Mm. he worked hard but it was work that he loved and I think that's something that my sister and I both saw and we realized that whatever we do we have to find purpose in it and we have to enjoy it and love it because I think you thrive better you do better if you if you love what you're doing no 100% it's so difficult to succeed and by doing day in day out something you absolutely hate with passion um Mm. you you may climb up the ladder but I guess when you're climbing the wrong ladder it kind of comes biting in the end and uh, your grandfather tragically died now 13 years ago during this horrendous terrorist attack in Mumbai. Um, how did his loss affect you? Hugely, as you can imagine. Um, it was just, it was a shock. Um, and the first of, first biggest grief, I think, that I definitely had and our family definitely had in our lives. Um, at the time, I remember I was with my mother actually when we found out we were in London and we were we were shopping for something um I think it was kitchenware um and my grand my dad called and he said you know you need to come home um you need to come home right now and my mum said okay well let, we'll go home something must have happened but not thinking how drastic it was we came home and he said you, you know your dad to my mum your grandfather that he's in um he's in Mumbai and there's a terror attack there and we thought naturally we you know we kind of stood still and we're like what, what do you mean I know like I can't really grasp what what do you mean he's in he's he's un, they're in under siege you know what is yeah. that well, what, what's happening wasn't that much on the television over here at that time mm. um found out before the the news was reporting everything so we were texting him and we were calling him and we were speaking to him throughout this whole time that he was in there and, really uh, yeah the entire time and he um, he was messaging us and um, he was just telling us about how frightened people were, but that he he was okay. They were all given a bottle of water each. He was with um, three of his crew members that he took. Actually, he was only there because he wanted to show them 
his favorite place, which was the Taj Mahal and his favorite curry. And he was like, you have to experience this. So they went to, so he took them there and then suddenly um, everything happened and the terrorists came in and things. And, you know, he literally walked us through what was happening to him. Um, and then it just went quiet for a while because he was in there for hours. Um, and then we got a phone call from his sort of right-hand man, um, who was who was also somebody who we we've all known for years, and he said, you know, he said I've been shot. Um, I, um, and your father, he, he's, you know, he's no longer with us, basically. And as you can imagine, that everything sort of crumbled down um, for all of us, for all of us, um, because something in us thought that even though he was in there, that he would be okay. Um, I just right. don't think that we we could even comprehend that this would actually happen to him. He'd been through so much in his life and he was always this positive person that always came out okay, you know, and he was he it was always fine. So it was difficult. It was, it was really, really a difficult time. And a lot of press were calling us and knocking on our doors and finding out things. And that made it harder. I think at the time, um, I remember my sister, she, I was living with my parents at the time. My sister was in Chelsea and, mm-hmm. um, I suddenly felt this responsibility. Like, how am I going to tell her to get here and come by herself in this taxi? And my mum has lost her, like her father and my dad who worked with my granddad his whole life. He met my mum when he was 18 and he was like a, another son to him. They were, they were side by side through everything, um, was grieving. And I was like, well, what are we going to do here? So I just remember ringing, you know, Addison Lee and getting her home. And just that's when it all started, I guess, the, the, the realization that we'd lost, lost him. Even now, sometimes I think, oh, I need to tell him. I'm like, oh, no, he's, you know, it's 13 years later. And I'm like, oh, he is not here. And I don't know if that's something that will eventually go away or maybe it's the way we lost him. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a huge, a huge, um, a, a huge impact, I guess, as you can imagine, on, on all of us. Oh, 100%. It's, I, I didn't realize that you you've been in contact with him that he managed to actually communicate with you guys mm-hmm. um it, it's um like you said for someone so positive and someone who's been um able to overcome so many things in life um almost you know the very unfair way um to end and his life and and i'm sure that's that came um, along with a shock to all of you guys. It's a big learning as well, isn't it? To appreciate the life and to live every day in the present and, and do good today um, and making the most out of it. Absolutely. And I think that's another life lesson that he just taught us. He did leave his life on the edge, I would say, of, no, let's do it. Why not? Why can't I do it? If, if someone else can do it, why can't I? And that's how he became who he was. And that's what he always installed in us. As a child, I was quite um, a quiet child. And he used to be like, Tanya, make a decision. Whatever it is, it's never going to be wrong. Make a decision. And I <laughs> oh god okay fine I'll do this one and we used to make bets all the time and he's he's like Tanya what do you think is gonna be the outcome of this and he gave he basically was coaching me into giving me my confidence as a young teenager and 
actually it was quite funny because one of the, the funny moments I'll always remember is he was like do you think we'll be home in an hour and I was like we'll never be home there's so much traffic you know and it was a silly little bet and he was like I'll jump in the pool then if, if I'm I'm lost you know full in his like Rolex and his or his nice shoes <laughs> outfit after this big event I was like don't be silly it's okay and he did and he was like if you commit to something you do it you know so he constantly taught us life lessons in little ways and I don't know, he left us with a huge legacy of love. There is so much love there. And I think, um, obviously, I, I had to overcome other grief in my life later on, which I know we'll probably touch on. And absolutely, he definitely gave me a foundation to be able to cope with that in some way, um, to find, I don't I think the word's positive, I can't think of the word right now, but something good can grow from such grief and I think that's what he's taught me um ever since I was a young child that there's always another way you could there's always another way a way out of a situation a way to um strategically change or shift or pivot to make yourself okay and to survive um you know mentally physically um in in every way so yeah amazing you you mentioned that he taught you to take bold decisions to to um take on some endeavors what was the the craziest um decision that you made and committed to in your life you think oh wow um you know I I probably would relate it to now having been bold enough to start a couple of companies since having a baby um or babies and you know, my son's three years old now and we've, I've started two massive, massive companies and they're both um, doing well swimmingly, thankfully. And mm. I think that was a bold step because it was like, if not now, when, you know? And um, yeah, so I think that's probably the boldest thing right now. <laughs> I, I'd agree with that. And I'm going to come to this because I need to know how you're juggling it all. This sounds crazy on its own but we'll, we'll, we'll definitely get to it so after um, in, in the beginning of your career you obviously continued your family legacy and worked in your grandfather's property and your charter business for some time yeah. um, before you moved on to work for the global agency Carla Otter and quickly rose up the ranks there what made you leave, um, leave the family business I loved every minute of it and I learned so much, um, literally a wealth of experience there, but I needed to find who I was outside of my family business and figure out what else I loved and what else I wanted to learn. Um, and, you know, my family incredibly supportive. My parents are so amazing, as was my as my grandparents. And um, they were like, yes, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I, I love fashion. I love events. Right. What can I do in this? And so I looked at fashion PR companies and I interned at two other fashion PR companies. And then I came across Carla Otto. It was the, lead, it's the leading brand building agency. And I just applied there to become an intern. And um, I got the job. It was tedious, you know, <laughs> very logistics and lots of right. th- tagging things and um, shadowing people at the beginning but I worked there for about I think it was about eight months of interning and then I got a job in the logistics which was literally packing the boxes and sending them off to shoots 
And I, in my spare time, I'd be like, can I come with the events team and, you know, um, do the behind the scenes and can I help out with guest lists and things like that? Just because I loved it. And, you know, I was living in, in London in Mayfair at the time. It was so close by. I, I thrived off it. And I eventually got a job in the, the VIP um, dressing um, team. And I just grew from there. I had incredible mentors and Salvo and Leela were amazing. And I loved every minute of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't shy away from, you know, however big or small task there was. No, because I just think that it, the only way to succeed in life is to have a good work ethic. And if you don't have that, you most likely won't get to where you want to be. Sometimes you might look at somebody and think, oh, it looks so easy. They just, you know, it, right. just, it, it was given to them. But it's never, ever the way. And you don't see the hours and hours of work and um, dedication that people put into things. And that's what I learned watching my parents and working within the yacht property, uh, the yacht charter industry and the property industry is that it's not easy and you do do late nights and you do have to cancel things and balance things differently and so I just applied those skills really there and I'm, I'm just not afraid of hard work sometimes I'm like am I a workaholic I'm not sure but <laughs> I'm gonna go with it I'm just ambitious <laughs> I think a bit of both yeah and um growing up in kind of wealthy very wealthy family and having this entrepreneurial mindset would you say it's nurture or nature? Both. I think definitely both. Um, I think nurture for sure. I think the way that we're brought up, the values that we're taught make a huge, huge impact in the way that we live our lives. Um, but I do think it's something within you. You know, you can take um, siblings and they're always different and mm. everything they do and I think it's just the way that you you um, look at look at your life and what you want from it and something that you're okay with having other people might not be so it's definitely the way what you've been what you have inside you but a, yeah a bit of both <laughs> both I'd, I'd agree with that mm. and um, with this growth mindset and this entrepreneur within you um, you also a devoted wife and a very dedicated mother and um, I know that your love story shall I say with your husband Ross um, is has been tested tested yeah. by life and with some very traumatic experiences that you have had to face on your journey together would you tell us a bit more about that absolutely so um We've been together now for 10 years, um, five years married as well. Um, so it's a long time and we've gone through so many different phases of our lives together. We've always been, I guess, that couple that everyone's like, oh, they're so strong. And we are. And our love beams through. We do everything that together. We work together. We're with the children together. We socialize together. And we it actually really works for us. Um, but when we got married and decided, oh, you know, we want to have we want to have kids, let's let's get pregnant. It didn't happen for a while. And I have endometriosis and polistic ovary syndrome. So I, in my head, I thought it might take a bit of time, but it would get there. Um, it was about two years in and then I, oh, a couple of years in and then I thought, okay, um, I'm a bit worried now. Let's go see a doctor. And the doctor said, you'll be fine. It's just, he was like, it just takes time. You know, it, it just takes time. You've, you've been on the pill. It just takes time. And I thought, why didn't anyone ever tell me this? <laughs> like, I just thought, you know, you come off the pill and you get pregnant and life moves forward. But right. it 
And um, yeah, and it was something that I logged in my mind that we're not really aware of these things. Um, but luckily, by chance, maybe it's because I relaxed. I really don't know. But I got pregnant that that month after um, and went to the doctors, found out it was twins, was absolutely thrilled. I was like, could it be any more perfect? I, you know, a couple of weeks later, we found out it was a boy and a girl. I was like, honestly, like luckiest person in the world right now um we planned our whole lives I think just in that <laughs> doctor surgeon doctor's room that day um and yeah and then you know I was 24 weeks into the pregnancy and um I just felt really unwell and um one thing led to another and I ended up having to have an emergency c-section um, I had preeclampsia um, and it was basically me or them. And whereas I would have picked them um, legally, the doctors have to pick you. And um, yeah, so I was lying there. I still remember everything to be honest about it. I didn't at the time, but coming, thinking about, about it now and speaking about it and going through it with my husband, um, you kind of realize, I'm trying to think of the right words. You kind of realize what you went through. Whereas at the time I was kind of on auto mode and I was just going through the motions and my daughter didn't survive the birth. Um, and my son was resuscitated um, and taken away immediately. I didn't see him for three days, I think. And then I was in hospital myself for um, almost a month. Um, and my husband had to watch his whole family nearly die. And he lost a child as well and we were both grieving and we were both coping with the situation and everything sort of went upside down and we were the strongest couple I could ever think of throughout this whole time but then when we came home from from um when my son Jonas was released from hospital after um almost four months um and we came home everything started to get a lot harder in our relationship now we've now looking back we know why because we were grieving at different rates and we'd both been holding our own burdens on our, on ourselves and we were both coping with everything in our different way um but we managed to come out of it and now we're back to being stronger than ever um but communication was the key to helping us to to thrive again in our relationship for sure how did you come to come to realize that you know perhaps you're on different you know, paces of grieving and you need to, did you seek help? What helped you? We did, we did seek help. Um, and I always advise everybody to seek help. Um, I think it takes the right therapist as well. And I think sometimes when you say to people, go and seek help, they see someone, they're like, that is not working. You know, this isn't for me. But actually, it's just finding the correct person to be able to help you with that. And we did find the right person. And then we just started to communicate more. It got to a point where we were just like, right, the first thing we need to decide is, do we still love each other? And wow. and then we were like, yes, we, you know, we do. do. Do we still want to be together? Yes. So what are the issues here? And the issue was that he felt like he had to be the, the man stereotypical man stronger and, yeah yes. and I think that's exactly what I wouldn't have wanted him to be I was like don't you don't need to be you know why do you need to be that person we can both cry and sit here crying <laughs> together and we can yeah. both ride this wave together and I think that moment when he realized that he could actually um be vulnerable publicly 
and be vulnerable with me, um, everything started to open up and um, we started to heal. And that's just something that is really important to me with the whole gender roles and everything that I'm trying to achieve with equality because it's so important for our, the next generation, our sons as well, to realize that they it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to show that emotions just as equally as we want our girls to be strong and independent and to have the, the same rights, you know? Yeah, so yeah yeah that's so powerful and and it's like you said you are now on the other side of that Mm -hmm. trauma of that experience and it it did make you stronger um but like you said it's so important to seek help and sometimes the right direction and coordination of the thinking process and just breaking it down and to help to communicate um because the perception of one another, even when you two knew each other for such a long time, the, the, the perception of what you have to be for one another and what you want to be can be so different. And that can create that you know, the, the, the loss of relationship ultimately. And it's, um, it's wonderful that to, to hear that there's a you know, happy ending to this story. And you've got your beautiful boy, um how 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 is he how is he finding it um being um you know in the family and your, your husband is um he, he's a singer isn't he yeah so he's yeah he I mean he's my husband's amazing he's a singer and songwriter and um he now also has his own recruitment business for internal audit um he two very different things I must say I know (laughs) I mean I think I definitely um found my match he works extremely hard and he puts his mind to something and he'll just do it and um that's what he what what he's what he's um done with his business and with his singing and songwriting and um yeah we've we've had an incredible time together but for Jonas it's so wonderful to see because all day he's playing the guitar with his dad (laughs) (laughs) so musical as well um, but he also sees the hard work ethic that both his parents have. Take us to your home. Where do you live and what is your house like? Also, we live in Knightsbridge and we have a lovely home. It's quite opulent. I always believe that um, you feel good with your surroundings, right? So we love gold. We have a lot of gold um, a lot of glassware. Um, I always say my perfect place would be Aladdin's cave. <laughs> <laughs> love it it just makes us happy <laughs> we don't really any trends we kind of just enjoy the opulence and every every time we go somewhere we see something beautiful we just add it to the collection we just have it well in Aladdin's cave you would have had a you know the um what are they called magical lamp yeah. that you rub yeah. what have you got that um lucky charm object in your home then maybe you have to rub. <laughs> I know, I, how amazing would it have, be to have a genie? <laughs> um, it's all in the mindset. There is a genie, <laughs> if you believe in it. <laughs> I agree. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah. Just having having a think, actually. There's one thing in the, in the home. I have a, We have a painting um, that was passed on to us. And it's a beautiful flower with gold leaves and, and things. And... I always look at it and it's always, it's funny how paintings mean different things to people. Whereas you could just look at it and be a flower. But to me, it's just like, 
it just blooms. And so when I see it, it makes me feel so happy. And I'm just like, oh, I'm that flower. <laughs> I'm going to have a great day today, you know, and it makes me feel that way. And I think, it, I mean, that's what it is with your interiors. Um, you know, you're the expert definitely in that field where it's just what makes you feel good and what, what you sort of receive from those objects. <laughs> definitely. And I think surrounding yourself with the right pieces of decor is so important there's so many wrong decisions being made either by someone else on your behalf um, yeah. or you make a decision because it fits your color scheme or interiors, but it doesn't really speak to you or does the job that it, is, it needs to do. hundred percent. I love it. I actually love that little <laughs> allegory that we're talking about here. Love it. So what your um, daily routines are like and how do you manage to juggle everything? Being yeah. a mother of a young little boy, entrepreneur, wife, you know, you've got numerous businesses, which we're going to come on to, but how do you, how do you juggle it all? What, what actually helps you to refill your batteries and get your resources back up? I think, I mean, time management is key. I'm like ridiculously organized. I've got the diary, the um, digital diary, and my husband is a huge, huge help. We really do take a 50-50 split in everything that we do. Um, and it's just, it just works for both of us. It helps us both thrive in every aspect of our lives. So, I mean, from the, even from the moment we wake up, um, I'll get ready, then I'll get Jonas ready. And then my husband will get ready. And meanwhile, I'll be feeding him breakfast. And then my husband takes him out on the scooter and he goes out for an hour while I do some work and then he comes back and then we have lunch together. And then he goes to nursery and then we both um, manage our time. And then luckily he goes to bed quite early (laughs) uh, at 6.30. So he comes home. We kind of have a wonderful two hours together, bath, shower, reading books, lovely family time. And then um, we actually put him to sleep and then we both work for a couple of hours and then we chill out together. So we have that kind of balance. Um, But we both make sure that we're always there for bedtime. That's kind of our thing at the moment that we've been doing for the last three years to make sure that we always have that time for him so if if work overtakes which it naturally it does sometimes um we could be working all hours all day but we're there for bedtime I love it that's such a good tradition and almost like a ritual that you guys have which I'm sure um he would appreciate as well like growing up to have that presence um and last year the pandemic changed and made that actually possible for a lot of fathers and mothers to be to be there at bedtime who you know instead of being stuck in the office and nannies to do the job or one of the um, parents putting kids down to sleep you know this is those memorable experiences that became um, kind of a norm a new norm that people working from home are actually able to be part of their little children's life a bit more as well as a grown-up children's I mean that presence the family um that's amazing so today you have some remarkable achievements and the this you've con- conquered entrepreneurship and you don't stop developing and growing and by the time this episode airs you will will have launched another platform yeah. the legacy globe so, so please please tell the listeners more about it Absolutely. So it's very close to my heart. So it's bringing men and women entrepreneurs and philanthropists 
together um, for different causes, but also for some incredible fun experiences. You know, we all get so busy um, that it's sometimes so nice for somebody like-minded to be like, don't worry, I'll organize it all for you and we'll go out and have a great time with like-minded people. Um, and that's what we're doing, really. We're facilitating that. So we it's a members platform and we will be bringing our members together for these unique experiences and um, networking events also, but in a very relaxed way. Um, and it's going to be fabulous. And we also have articles and interviews on these wonderful people so they can share their journeys as well and their businesses and their ideas and and we can all learn something from each other right so that's the idea of it we'll be making a social impact in that way and every event that we do or experience will also be highlighting a different charity so um, at the moment for the launch we'll be working with 18 keys and with sam's charity and we'll be working with them for the next couple of events to raise money and awareness for those charities and it will keep changing so we'll be working with different different charities um and yeah benefiting everyone really all around so making a social impact in that way I love it because there's there's quite a few membership platforms isn't it what makes this one different why do you think this is the niche and why is it needed right now I think it's really needed there are so many wonderful platforms and um it's so great that everybody's trying to empower each other but there's areas that need work. And one of those areas is bringing men and women together to make a change. I think it's very easy to segregate men and women and say, right, this is a man's platform, this is a woman's platform, and they're doing great things individually. But it's quite nice to bring that together and to realize that when we work alongside each other, we really will smash those glass ceilings. And that's something, yeah, and that's something that I obviously practice in my own life. So um, I want to kind of highlight and show that it really does work and you thrive better when you work alongside each other. So that's um, the basis of of why we're doing men and women together and also highlighting different charities. Sometimes, um, um, I guess we don't know how to help. Everyone can say, I really wish I did charity work, but I just don't have time. And it's like a really normal conversation, right? I don't know if you've had that with people, but it's definitely something that, a lot when we're sort of talking to people so it's a way of saying you know here are some incredible charities where the money really is going to those charities as well um source the right ones um and this is what they're about if you want to if you relate with them or want to help them we're providing that way of um helping those charities to get their voices heard and to and also at the same time helping the entrepreneurs to give back in a way that also makes them feel good um Mm. it's sort of a bit of both and there's not really anything that is doing both those things at the same time so that's our little niche (laughs) I agree I agree I've I I think you're right on the money there because um I I I think over a year ago I hit that point where you you there is there is a desire for you to give back to contribute but at the same time you just don't know where to start and which charity is actually legitimate and yeah is and unfortunately um there's equally a lot of fraud going on um in in that sector so you want to be part of the right endeavor and um this is when i met um tessie anthony yeah. de nassau the former princess of luxembourg okay. and now we successfully um 
work together and I'm part of her charity, Professors Without Borders. So I'm sure she would be at some point very she, happy. Oh, I love Tessie. She's absolutely incredible. And it's a fantastic, fantastic charity. Um, there is nothing more important than education. Um, and so re- I really support her. We've supported her actually with Mothersphere as well. And it's, it's definitely something that I'll speak to Tessie about going forward. Um, and yourself, because I know you're the um, financial director as well, aren't you, for them? Um, That's right. so, yeah, so we'll um, definitely have to um, work together to Yay. help you. It's so exciting. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, opportunities, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you mentioned Mothersphere, um, which is your more established platform um, that you've launched a couple of years ago and um, you've kindly kindly featured uh, myself as well on it which I'm very grateful and this is how our relationship started Um, I I got a message um, with with that request and it was a great pleasure and honor Um, tell us more about the mother sphere um, and, and what it does Absolutely. So, well, in, in that respect as well, with, with featuring you, you're such an inspiring mum. And it's so important to highlight mums like yourself who are doing such incredible work, also also balancing motherhood. So um, thank you so much for being part of the platform and, and also for the work that you do for charities as well. Honestly, so inspiring. Oh, oh my gosh, it feels like I've asked for it. No, absolutely. No, my pleasure to. and my honour. Wonderful, honestly. And um, yes, yeah, so Mothersphere is uh, another social impact company that we have built, myself and my co-founder, Caroline. And um, it's a platform where we connect mothers to each other, to network, social network of, of other like-minded mothers, but also to services um, and organizations that can help them on their journey. So for me personally, when I was going through the premature birth of my son, I really found a community in the women in the hospital who we were all absolutely different people. We came from different backgrounds. We had different religions. We had different um, financial setup. Everything was different about us, but we became a family and we still are and we are so close and it really highlighted the importance of having a community that really lifts you up but in an authentic way and that it doesn't matter where you're from motherhood is relatable um, and we all have that in common and so we created this platform because there wasn't many platforms that were positive for mothers there was a lot of platforms that had a negative undertone of, yes, of course, motherhood is hard, but it is a blessing and it's an incredible thing being a mother. And so we created a platform where we're saying, yes, of course you feel overwhelmed. You, you know, you might have two toddlers and you're feeling really overwhelmed today. Of course you do. It's completely normal to feel like that and natural. And you can, you are entitled to feel that way. But maybe if we take these steps such as, putting half an hour in for yourself each day um, and prioritizing yourself, you'll feel like you have the more energy to be able to um, be happier and not feel so overwhelmed, you know? So it's the way of sort of changing the dialogue rather than just feeling like, my life is a mess. I'm so tired. I'm a mom. And the next 15 years of my life is a write-off. <laughs> That's how moms, a lot of moms. We've all been there, didn't we? Exactly, exactly, exactly. 
So instead of having that feeling that they, people can come to our platform and say, okay, I want to find a purpose outside of motherhood. Can you help me facilitate that? And yes, we can, whether that's going back to work or whether that's um, finding a charity to help with something um, or a service that you need, um, even hair and beauty. We have all of your areas covered. <laughs> Beautiful. I think Ross should be taking the legacy further to create a father sphere (laughs) exactly exactly it's on the cards (laughs) thinking of the you know the balancing of the 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 legacy globe (laughs) exactly it's so true and he's been so present in it he's been helping us with all of our all of our media creating our videos we do incredibly inspiring interviews series he's he's actually been a um, a massive part of it of the journey as well and um yeah we've we actually spoke to a a father that we featured the other day called Elliot um and he we I don't know if you saw him we posted him on Father's Day because he has a a platform as well um fathers and so we're kind of working together with with the same um things in mind and we both work with UN Women UK so we're coming out with a, a book next year with them and he's just come out with his book on fatherhood with them so um yeah he's he's doing an amazing job there as well <laughs> beautiful so there's a you know the, the, all the areas are covered yes. um and and this is this is the whole point of it um so I've got a couple of blitz questions for you <laughs> um your top book recommendation that changed your mindset um okay well I'm reading Happy Sexy Millionaire by Stephen Bartlett have you read it no I like the name fantastic and it has it really has changed my mindset and I'm almost to the end of it but I think it's the best book that I've read in such a long time it basically speaks about his journey from an 18 year old broke uni dropout from a bankrupt family to becoming a 25 year old multimillionaire, having created a massive social marketing business worth over 300 million dollars and it's just so motivating. He speaks about so many topics. Um, but the thing that really resonates with me from it is that he speaks about um, the happiness that we're pursuing is, is the pursuit of happiness in itself. So I guess like mm. when you think about it like that, it really does change your mindset because, um, I don't know, I just think like, yeah, he's actually so right. Like we just want that feeling and that excitement of having that something, whether it's like work success or a new house and um, we're just buying into that emotion that's right that's right you, you you think that happiness is on the other side when you're gonna get it and um i, I, th- I think I, I couldn't agree more the appreciation of the climb that's where that's what matters that actually the the climb towards or trying to achieve something this is where the most of satisfaction lies because usually when you actually get there when you launch when you achieve when you're on top of the game there's actually a lot of people report that feeling of void and lost you almost like oh what what am I going to do now this is actually everything you've been building up yourself for now creating this absolute like question mark within yourself um it's a lot about the journey and I think this is such a such an important message as well to just highlight I love that book recommendation yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. I'll be, I'll be honored. I've got such a huge list now I know. to all the inspirational people and I'm getting through it. I must say, because I absolutely love reading and this is, this is on, this goes into my, onto my list. Oh, I love that. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so household tasks you'd like to outsource. Oh, household tasks. How much do you do at home? What is the, uh, 
you yeah. know, when you are in such a privileged um, home and the lifestyle, what do you actually, what would you do um, at home? Because I, I know your granddad was very much hands-on with everything and you yeah, yeah. never shied away from any dirty work. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like at home. Exactly. I mean, especially with the pandemic, I mean, we've definitely, we basically pretty much do everything, I would say. I mean, we um, do have a cleaner that comes in once a week, but, you know, having young children, I mean, it would be ideal to have a person every single day. <laughs> but we do, um, yes. <laughs> it's literally the house is tipped upside down. However, um, we just, we just do it ourselves and we prefer, especially with the pandemic, for people not to be inside the home right now. And we like to kind of take control of that while he's, while he's young. So, I mean, I, I already outsourced to my husband the normal thing <laughs> bins. <laughs> so he does he does the bins. <laughs> um, I, I, what are you does, responsible for? I know. Well, we we kind of take it in terms with like um, the baby's clothes and ironing. And I mean, my version of things is always like not as great as his. He's very precise and meticulous if he's going to be doing some ironing or something. Whereas I'm like, okay, it's finished. It's fine. <laughs> Um, you've got to prioritize right exactly exactly Um, yeah he's definitely a better cook than I am but I I, how interesting his father's a chef so um he has incredible culinary skills um but I do do my cook my shit for fair share of cooking as well (laughs) (laughs) all the power Well, from the cooking, we rightly come into this question. Your favorite meal of the day and why? My favorite meal, uh, always lunch. I love I love having a nice lunch. Um, Do you, what would be your top choice for lunch? Oh, if I didn't have to cook it, like from a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> uh, definitely like a tuna, tuna tartar, avocado. And um, that is like, I could live off eating that for the rest of my life and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> what is um, so which one of Bross's dishes that is your favorite oh he makes an amazing like chicken teriyaki um and nice rice yeah it's amazing so I, I would say that for sure <laughs> wow amazing <laughs> top choice for a famous house guest and can be current or historic figure um, you know, I think if there was anybody in the world, it's got to be the queen. <laughs> I, I love her. I'm such a royalist. Like, I, I, Are you? I, I am. I adore her. <laughs> I respect her. I just, she's also so sweet and so cute. And I, I feel like she's my grandma, but well, I wish she were. <laughs> I, I, I love her. Um, but can you imagine being able to have her over and speak to her about 70 years of reigning and she's still yeah. doing an amazing job um I, I, I may go just speechless it doesn't happen often but at that point in time, I would probably be like uh, yeah. <laughs> be able to produce a single word out me too <laughs> no, wow. she's, I, I think it would definitely be her I just think she's absolutely incredible honestly what, what would you ask her what would be the first question first question I mean I well, I guess we wouldn't be allowed any cameras. Yes, no, <laughs> no cameras, all in private. <laughs> so I think I would love to ask her how she found like her courage to do what she does and how she managed to um, balance everything because she's the queen, you know, she's also a mum as well, but like the country comes first 
because that's her job and that's her role and that's um, who she is and she's been since she was in her early 20s. So I'd love to know that. I'd love to know how she manages it emotionally as well because I, I can't imagine not being able to put even my child first, you know, because mm. the country is her child. The country comes first. Yeah. yeah. Would you put your, um, your family first for yourself over yeah. your entrepreneurship? I would always put, yeah, I'd always put Jonas first. I think if some, if what I was doing was negatively affecting him, then I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be happy doing it because ultimately everything I do is yes to make myself happy and I feel fulfilled in doing so. But um, I only thrive doing it because I have the love from him. You know, he's so excited. I mean, with the, the launch of the Legacy Globe, he he sees a symbol and he's like, "Mummy, it's the Legacy Globe!" <laughs> it's like I love it. And he's like, mommy's working today. And his um, nursery teacher sent me a video the other day of him on the on the pretend phone being like, yes, okay, yes, that's great, wonderful. And he there was this a great, whole the whole thing. And he was like, well, my mommy, my mommy said that that's okay. <laughs> so <laughs> it's so cute. And I think when I'm seeing it um, positively affect him, um, yeah. it's so important. Yeah. <laughs> 100% my six-year-old um she she's going to be an interior designer she's already decided and uh, once in a while she just goes yeah you can I can hear her in the playroom and just uh, I'm saying oh mommy I'm just interviewing for the podcast so just um oh, bear with me one second just try not to make too much noise <laughs> I was like oh my gosh this, I is, love so her. <laughs> this is so cute so cute. <laughs> I know. Would you go through um, trying to have more kids again? Um, absolutely. I think definitely not right now. Um, I think I'm still a bit frightened. Like my fear is like, what if I don't make it this time? And then I'm not just thinking about the child I'd be bringing in, but it's also Jonas who'd be left without a mummy. Um, that's my biggest fear. Um, mm. But I spoke to a few other mums um, from the community and they all had the same fear. And they just said, at one point, you'll just feel like it's the right time. So um, we're not rushing anything. Um, we kind of feel like we've just got Jonas in a way because he's been sick for so long. Um, yeah. You know, he was born only weighing a pound. So as you can imagine, even though we brought him home, he had like a little astronaut oxygen tank and tubes. And we were nurses with our countless amounts of medicines that we were giving him. So it's only been in the last, I would say, six months that we've been able to enjoy him and just being able to take him out and, and be a normal boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we need a bit more time with just him for a while. Absolutely. <laughs> Your dream house and location. Ooh. Um, oh, it's such a good question. Mm. I mean, at some stage in life, I would love a huge house on the beach with that. In Monaco? Probably, probably in Monaco. Um, it's somewhere where we thought, oh, would we move now? But I think that London is my heart right now and I, I would love to bring him up here um but Monaco does feel like home so maybe maybe somewhere there um looking at the ocean um yeah what about Cyprus I love Cyprus um I feel yeah. it's so beautiful and it's somewhere actually we were say, saying the other day that we need to take Jonas to um that he hasn't been yet it's absolutely beautiful um I don't have that much family there anymore my grandparents no 
um, my paternal grandparents live six months here and six months there. So we see them a lot over here, which is lovely. Um, but I've not had that sort of home connection in that way there. Um, however, I love it for holidays and things like that because it's just beautiful and you can't beat Greek food. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so delicious and so oh. fresh. Um, so, yeah, we, we do more of the hotel thing there, but I absolutely love Cyprus. <laughs> oh, lovely. Just another day cooked um, moussaka. I think I just feel already getting into some yeah. sort of a holiday mode. Whilst we're all waiting for the list to turn from amber to green, from green to red. <laughs> Literally. I mean, it's the first two years, or this is the second year that we haven't traveled. And I've, in my entire life, I've never, we've never done this before. Yeah. Um, literally and in some ways I'm like really missing it but then you know we've booked Cornwall and Devon and all these beautiful places in the UK this year and we thought actually what a wonderful thing to do like to see the UK so um now's the time (laughs) that's so so true um but equally it's not cheap to travel in the UK isn't it so when when it comes to the choice choice of whether going to Europe or going within the UK it's 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 almost no-brainer People do choose to go to Europe um, with no choice. That's, you're right. And it's just so wonderful to discover a little bit more about England and all these beautiful spots. There is a lot to do here, um, but it's, it's, all, it's all about choices being taken away from you, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Tanya, you, um, you, honestly, you come across so bubbly and light and kind and having that strength within you is, you know, everything that you've been through and how you overcome that. You are one strong woman and you definitely carrying on your grandfather's legacy and his kindness and his spirit. And I can see and, and, and that connection that we had through the messages and now over Zoom, you know, and um, I hope we'll meet each other in person very, very soon. But it's, um, it's very inspirational to see. And I am definitely wishing you all the very best to you, to your beautiful little family and for all your endeavors to turn into success, which I have no doubt they will. And good luck with the Legacy Globe launch. I'm going to say it's tomorrow, but by the time it's going to launch, uh, but by the time this episode airs, it's going to be out there for people to discover more to learn and I would really really encourage people to go and check it out where can people find you what's the best way to connect with you um so either through the legacyglobe.com um or at um tannylaveriscandy.com um or instagram at tannylaveriscandy at the legacy globe nice and easy (laughs) amazing I'll pop all those links into the episode it's been absolute pleasure talking to you thank you for letting me and the listeners into your world, into your life, into your home, into your family, into your entrepreneurial world. Uh, It's been phenomenally inspirational and good luck with everything that you do. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. It's honestly been an honor to be here today and um, start of something special. Thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Beehive Household Podcast. Please don't forget to like, leave your review and share with your friends and family. For more information on the design services we offer, visit our website www.natalialloydinteriors.com. 
You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook under Natalia Lloyd Interiors, as well as LinkedIn. Bye now till the next episode. Look after yourselves and your loved ones.